Hare Krishna, everyone. This is Kishore Chandra, and um, we're here for chit chat, as we always are, every evening at 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Uh, so we've been talking about fear. Yesterday we spoke a lot about fear, um, and I think we're going to continue talking about fear today. So we'll just wait for our Jai Jagannath Prabhu to sign on. Welcome Geneva and PB Chat, Induleka Devi, Ada, Jani, welcome. Welcome everyone. So we'll get started. Money Blue Skies, Harry Bowl, Harry Krishna, Jani. <laughs> uh, we'll get started in just a moment as soon as Jai Jagannath Prabhu comes. He'll be coming shortly. Hopefully, um, his connection is good. Yesterday was fine. Ah, here's Jai. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Right, cool. Welcome, Gabrielle and Pat. Welcome, everyone. Hi, Bull. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I didn't realize I still had this song. I know, that's what I'm... That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my mask. Oh, yeah? Had to go to the store. Okay. How, um, how are things? Miserable as usual. Mm. Jai. <laughs> Have you been meditating on fear? Um, more like experiencing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Krishna. I'll be it in subtle, I think, more in subtle ways because... I'm not a person that gets put into anxiety very quickly. Mm. And I don't attribute that to my spiritual elevation, more to like just my motor ignorance, like <laughs> more like dullness. So it takes, a, it takes a long time for things to register in my psyche as like problematic. So I'll, I'll get afraid like, at the, like, oh my God, this is really bad. Mm. But um, yeah, so I, yeah, I would say I've been experiencing it more than meditating on it. Um, mm. One thing that's been interesting for me, this it's, it's perhaps indirectly created by fear, but I'm seeing a lot of, um, I guess there was this lady, I didn't see the video, there was this lady who came out with a video claiming that, I guess, hydrochloroquine or whatever you call it, helps to combat coronavirus. Did you see this video? No, I didn't. Apparently, it's like a some video that came out and then Twitter and Facebook and they just like immediately removed it. And so, you know, there you have your tinfoil hat wearing guys. It's like the, the truth is being hidden. Mm. And you have the, uh, what, what they will call the sheeple type people. They're just saying, this is all fake news and mm. she's bogus. And so, I, of course, I find it hilarious because I've been talking about this. We've been talking about these two sides of the thing. Mm. And it made me afraid, but not in a, I guess, not in the way that you would normally think about fear, but it made me just, um, well, I, it made me kind of like bewildered. Mm. I, we brought this up a lot, but just the nature of not, just not knowing what is the truth. Mm about something and how frightening that is when you think about the consequences of ignorance, especially especially in a situation like coronavirus. Mm -hmm. There are people who are strongly 
I'm talking about people who aren't doctors, who aren't out there with their own medical information, which is like the vast majority of us. So there are many such people, laymen, who are out there like strongly advocating for, um, you know, this wearing a mask and protecting yourself from COVID. And then you have people who with equally strong voices saying, look, we're being cheated. Information is being suppressed. Twitter and Facebook, has, they immediately removed the, the video. And this has been a trend since coronavirus thing started of doctors coming out, giving other data that they personally have found apparently. And yeah, the concophony of sounds mm. has just, um, yeah, just made me, a, not, I don't know if fear is right. I think it's connected to fear, definitely. But I guess the first emotion that's most prominent to me is just like, yeah, just again, I brought this up many times, that just not knowing what the truth is and how dangerous is it. You're forced to speculate, forced to come to your own conclusions. Mm. And because our cultural institutions have so long subsisted on uh, falsity, on all fronts, practically. Mm. Maybe aside from the academy, but even the academy, you know, universities, music industry, Hollywood, all of our major cultural institutions have largely sustained over the last two decades, at least, probably mm. much longer, on just like utter like falsity. So just not knowing what to believe when it comes to conventional things. And the just discomfort it's creating, creating in my psyche, and the discomfort that it creates some relationships also. I think you must have saw, <laughs> I knew this would piss some people off, but I shared the meme the other day. And I, I shared it because I just thought it was funny. Which it, one? It, it was like, um, the, it was like an image of four people wearing masks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw so, you know, the, and I, 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 I shared it from another person's page. I just thought it was funny. And I said, I have to admit, these memes coming out on either side, people like basically throwing mud at each other. It's been a sort of guilty pleasure because I just find it all quite hilarious. Mm. And I saw that there were a lot of comments coming from a few persons. I didn't read any of the comments because I didn't want to participate in that discussion whatsoever. I literally posted it as a joke. But, um, you know, anyway, so it's creating all this discomfort, which mm. is certainly rooted in fear. So this is my meditation. It's been disturbing, frankly speaking. Yeah, yeah, I definitely hear you. And it's so interesting that you're bringing up this, uh, I guess some woman posting this thing, which I didn't see that. And then Twitter, Facebook kind of immediately removing it. And I had an experience this morning that I, um, I was about to start, I finished teaching yoga and then I practiced some asana like this. And then I was about to start, I was doing, doing some work on my computer and I was like, I have to cook, you know, I have to cook, I have to eat lunch. And I saw on Facebook, like something came up live, like Reuters, Reuters Live. Right. And apparently, apparently today there was like a congressional hearing with, the, with Facebook, Amazon, Google, and um, Apple. On and a, Apple. Really? Yes, there was a congressional hearing specifically about like them kind of like um, 
having ulterior motives. Uh, I can't remember like the exact terminology that they were using, but basically like for this thing that you're saying, like removing posts based on an agenda, like right. removing removing meaning, things based on an agenda. Meaning they have their own political commitments. Yes. And then those who are opposite of that, they just suppress. Yes. Them. And the so, congressional hearing, the congressional hearing was specifically about that, and also the fact that like they are becoming monopolies. Right. Uh, which is which is supposed to like go checked in our current political system. It's supposed to be checked. Like we're not supposed to have monopolies. And anyway, I didn't really hear the whole thing because I was like really interested in it at first. And then I was like, I was cooking and I was like, mm, maybe I should put on like some mantra because I want my, <laughs> you know, food to be infused with like mantra not with this stuff but i was like really interested i was like this is gonna be i feel like this might be good i feel like this might be good and like you know all the all the congress people are talking and they're like slamming the what's it called the the gavel the gavel and then jeff bezos starts to talk and i kid you not within two minutes i was like i can't hear this anymore and i just turned it off well, and the reason vibration to be I found his vibration to be disturbing, to be honest. And I was like, immediately, I was like, I need to listen to mantra. I need to put on Maha Mantra and I'm going to focus on cooking. And the reason I found his vibration disturbing was not because, you know, inherently, I, I have no idea, you know, I don't know. But I found it disturbing just because a lot of what he was saying was very, you know, it felt very prepared and whatever. But the way that he started was he was very much trying to like humanize himself and his story because it was very clear that like, the the other side was seeing him as a as a conglomerate as a company as a you know whatever and there's so many awful you can search on the internet there's so many awful stories of the way that amazon workers are treated and like the wages that they make and whatever you know how amazon's kind of like destroying the world and so the moment i kind of heard jeff bezos be like i came from a working class family and like my mom this and like that da, da, and this and this I was kind of just like really, really turned off, not because it might not have been true. Like maybe it's true. Maybe everything he's saying is true. Right. But just because we've mentioned this on Chit Chat before, just because like, I feel like right now it's so difficult to get to what the truth is, like exactly this point that you're talking to. Right. And so Jeff Bezos had a very, yeah, ruining farmers' lives. He had a very like clear tactic, whether it was, it was, you know, kind of concocted by him or his team. I'm just like, let me humanize myself so I seem more human, not right. like, you know, somebody who's amassing trillions of dollars of wealth and ruining farmers and ruining the American economy, whatever, you know. So I immediately was just like, I don't want to, like, the reason I turned it off was more because I was like, I don't want to get sucked into this, you know, like, I don't mm. know what's true. I don't know what's not true. Whatever he sounds like he's saying, it might might be true, but I don't want to get sucked into it. I don't want to get sucked into the other side. Let me put on some kirtan and let me cook peacefully like this. Right. And yesterday I was mentioning, um, yeah, so someone is saying it's true he's from my hometown and yet that's exactly why he should care and why he should know better. Exactly. So like he was... I mean, he was giving all these bogus statistics of like why Amazon's the best and like why Amazon has like helped everyone in the world. And I was just like, and off, you know? Right. But I think, I think, you know, in this concept of, of truth and fear, it's very interesting because I was reading, um, 
I mean, I, I, okay, I don't, I don't want to rant on too much, but I, was, I, I had a, then another experience at the beach. I, I've been having this experience in Ecuador since I arrived. The beach and, experience, yes. No, we're, no, we're not. getting that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, Ecuador is a developing country or a third world country or a, you know, whatever political term, politically correct term you want to kind of put in. And my parents are definitely more so of this mindset and my cousins and my family here than I am. I take it for granted a little bit, even though I have been like stuck up in Ecuador before, like with a gun, be like, wow. give me all your stuff. Like that's, but that's totally normal here. You know, that's like, yeah, if, <laughs> oh, like, wow. if, that, if that hasn't happened to you, it's like something's, you know, like something's off. But anyway, I guess like my, my family, when I arrived, they were just like, make sure, you know, you, you gotta be careful. Like, even when you're on the beach, like, watch, watch your stuff and like, you know, look at your surroundings and like, make sure that you're okay. And like, da da da. and I asked them, um, there's guards here. Cause I'm like in a, uh, what is gated, it called? Like, like a, a gated community. Store. Yeah. Like a gated beach community, gated urbanization. That's what they call them here. Oh, she's wealthy. <laughs> I told you, <laughs> appar apparently, apparently she is in Ecuador. <laughs> I, I haven't even been here. My mom just like bought all these houses. And when I first saw them, I was like, oh, okay. I guess, I guess our family has a lot of stuff down here. Um, anyway, the conversation for another time. But a lot of this fear was like put into me. I spoke to the guards and they were like, yeah, you know, like in the daytime, it's okay. But like at night, don't go out. There's like a, there's like a, a like a high wall with like, um, what is it? Electric wires and everything. And there's like a door, a locked door. And so I wanted to go for a night walk and they were like, don't. And I was like, okay. I was like, okay. I was like, okay. And they were like, even, and they were like, even in the, even in the daytime when you're out there, just be careful, you know, because like, it might just be you on the beach. And like, so there's no guards out there. And I was like, okay. So today I was out on the beach and yesterday when I was out on the beach, there was other families, like one other family or like two, but today I was like totally alone. And I got these thoughts of just like these thoughts of fear of just like, you know, if someone came for me right now and like killed me, no one would ever know. I mean, they'd find out eventually, but like no one's here. <laughs> I'm completely alone, you know, like someone could come and like stick me up and like get all my stuff and whatever. And I started meditating on fear and I started meditating specifically on Prahlad Maharaj, because I brought up Prahlad Maharaj yesterday, and I've, I've been reading some of the seventh canto. But before we get into that, I just want to see what PB Chat says, because she always has some good stuff to she say. She says, you're, you're practically Jeff Bezos for some of the poor people in Ecuador. It's all relative. Yeah, I mean, not really. I don't think so. I don't know if I get to the Jeff Bezos level. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to say a hard pass on that one. Sorry, PB chat. Uh, but um, anyway, so for Lad Maharaj, specifically, I was looking at kind of when he speaks the, you know, when Hiranyakashipu is asking him, so what is it that you've learned? And he speaks the nine processes of devotional service. And then right after that, Hiranyakashipu is like, you know, and like throw him to the wolves and, you know, let's punish him and you know kill him and like this and he concocts all these different ways of, of trying to kill him and i was looking at this one specific verse 41 chapter 7 canto 5 canto 7 chapter 5 verse 41 um and i just really liked it because fear the word fear comes up a lot 
um, in the next couple of verses after this. Um, but it says that even though this is, um, yeah, so even though a person who has no assets and pious activities performs some good deed, it will have no results. Okay, okay, okay. This. Thus, the weapons of the demons, so the demons are trying to kill Prahlad Maharaj in so many different ways. Uh, the weapons of the demons had no tangible effects upon Prahlad Maharaj because he was a devotee undisturbed by material conditions and fully engaged in meditating upon the upon and serving the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is unchangeable, who can't be realized by material senses, who is the soul of the entire universe. And then it goes on to say how Hiranyakashipu throws him to the elephants, you know, uh, many destructive spells, throws him off the top of a hill, many illusory tricks, all these, you know, magic exposing him to cold winds, fire, water, so many ways. Like, imagine if this was happening to you, like, your father is like, I'm going to kill you. Dude, all my father had to do was leave, and I'm like... <laughs> traumatized for the rest of my life i know right my father's still in my life but i'm still traumatized for the rest of my life for you know like he didn't accept me or whatever and i'm just <laughs> it's like hironyu kashifu is like i'm gonna throw you off a cliff i'm gonna have a stampede of elephants go across you i'm going to like expose you to extreme cold extreme heat all these kinds of things i like to tell just to interject quickly yeah one of the ways that's mentioned in their sima purana Yes, yeah. Hiranyi Kashipu threw Prahlad Maharaj off the top of a very high mountain. And then I always joke when telling this, he throws him off the mountain and Prahlad Maharaj comes back to him and is like, Dad, I'm still here. And he's like, ah, he's like frustrated. And I was just like, imagine, <laughs> imagine being like a car accident and you come home <laughs> and say, I lived. And your father's like, you know, damn. Damn. But then there's a couple of verses down and I'll end with this because then it just says, although he is very near to me and he is merely a child, because this is now Hiranyakashi who's speaking and realizing this is when he starts to get in distress because he realizes that he couldn't kill him, the demons couldn't kill him, all of his efforts couldn't kill him. And he says, yeah, you know, that he, the reason that I'm not able to kill him is because he is situated in complete fearlessness. Really? He is situated in complete fearlessness. Yeah, this is verse 46. And so, um, and then he goes on, you know, speaking about the boy's strength and this and et cetera. And after a while, Shukracharya kind of like, you know, re-amps up Hiranyakashipu and like, that's a whole nother thing. But I just loved this idea here that because Prahlad Maharaj is undisturbed by material conditions and situated in fearlessness, you know, that is why he is able to not be hurt that is why he is able to not be touched and i obviously you know like i'm not going to go like lay myself in front of a stampede of elephants and be like let's let's go for this but i'm just thinking in so many of our day-to-day -day interactions where it's like me here on the beach because i i don't think i finished this oh yeah i did finish the story where i was just like i started to get those fear of my material body fear of my material things i literally thought the thought crossed my head like i have an iphone what if someone sees an iPhone? I literally started, there was a boat. I was like, what if that boat is coming for me? What if they, what if they like dock and come for me because they see that I have yes. an iPhone? Like all of these crazy thoughts started to happen. But when you really, when you really like kind of um, go to the bare bones of it, it's because of fear of loss of material things and material yes. objects. Fear of loss of the body and the things that I kind of, um, what's that word? Um, what's that word, Jaya? 
where like I'm I'm superimposing my ego onto something and therefore it becomes a part of me. Can't think of the word. I think that's the word. Okay, superimpose. Superimpose, maybe. But anyway, so I'll end there because I feel like I've been talking for a long time. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, we ended our chit chat yesterday with a question. I was bringing up a question. Mm. Who, would, who would I be if fear didn't define me? How would yes. I think? How would I act? How would I speak mm. if I wasn't ruled by fear? Um, and I think because our, our state of existence in this world of souls is basically prompted by fear or informed by fear as soon as we come out of the womb, I don't know if we can even imagine who we would be mm. without being defined by fear in some way. Like, mm. I, I try to do that exercise, right? and I was like, I don't even know if I have a context for understanding who I would be if I wasn't defined by some of my fears, um, because I don't know if I've ever experienced that sort of person that wasn't defined or uh, delimited in some way by some sort of fear. Mm. It's quite inconceivable. Um, so the other thing that I was, as I was hearing you speak, that came to my mind, we have this cliche that the truth will set you free. And I'm, mm. they're, they're, I'm, I'm connecting this because we're kind of opening up our chit chat today with the truthfulness dilemma of the modern mm. world and yes. how the lack of truth is generated an experience of fear and discomfort in all of our lives. Not being able to make out what is actually going on in the world situation has created discomfort. And when I'm on the airplane, I'm, I'm, I, I hate airplanes. Those who know me, I really hate airplanes. I always say I'm gonna die when I'm on an airplane. I'm always like, this is gonna probably be my last flight because the plane's gonna crash. <laughs> I hate things like that, but that's just how my mind goes. <clears throat> the um, plane starts turbulence and the turbulence comes because I don't know what's happening on the plane then immediately a profound anxiety or discomfort comes in the psyche. Mm. I remember, uh, <laughs> okay, sorry to bring this up, but I remember Dave Chappelle's, I think his, he has one comedy strip. We must have saw it together. Where, Which where one? He's talking about when you're, when he said, when you're on the plane and it starts turbulent, when turbulence starts <laughs> and you see that the stewards are like looking peaceful, then you know everything is okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if their lips start sweating, remember he was saying something yeah, yeah. like that? Then you know that you're in trouble. <laughs> so um, anyway, so I'm connecting the idea of not knowing the truth about something and the manifestation of profound fear or discomfort, mm. anxiety, and so on. Mm. So the modern culture of untruthfulness, with all the modern institutions, cultural institutions being compromised so profoundly by dishonesty, mm. they have contributed profoundly to the culture of fear that is now generated. Um, mm -hmm. Why is it so hard for one story to be accepted and embraced mm -hmm. by the general mass of people? Mm -hmm. uh, let's say about coronavirus, for example. Why is it so difficult for one story to emerge as the understanding of the situation? Mm -hmm. Now, the, the, easy, the easy answer to that question is it's the fault of conspiracy theorists and and, and coming up with all these alternatives, that's, the, that's sort of a scapegoat. The real answer, in my view, in my meditation on it, is that the only reason the so-called conspiracy theorists has a, a platform to thrive 
is because the cultural institutions themselves have been compromised so profoundly yes. that it's allowed yes. such a voice to be amplified. Yes. I don't believe all, I believe in, that there are conspiracy theories. I believe there are also conspiracy facts. Yeah. You know, there are some things that can be also factual. Um, like Area 51, it's real. Yeah, but does it, do they have aliens there though? Well, no, I don't, they don't know if they have aliens, <laughs> but like they, they officially released that like there are UFOs, like that the government definitely like saw right. things flying in the air that they, they just don't know what they are. That's interesting. That's another topic for, because you know, I have doubts about these sorts of things. I'm thinking about a, a more easy example is cigarettes mm. or DDT. When they first came out, there was so much promotion of those oh, yeah. items as very good for the body. <laughs> yeah. And for, I don't know for how many years it was being promoted in that way before they had to clamp down yeah. uh, and, and be exposed for the lie that it was. That's yes. just a very simple and accessible example. So yeah. when you have so many cultural institutions compromised so profoundly by dishonesty yes. from top to bottom, so from the government from the, to the media, to the music industry, to Hollywood, all these cultural institutions, even the academies themselves, yeah. compromised in some way then that gives room for what they, I guess they call them like truthers. People mm. who are seeking the truth. Now, I, I think the word is used as a pejorative, mm. but the idea is people are wanting to know what the truth are, and those voices get amplified because of this culture. And that culture is mainly responsible for the profound discomfort that we're all experiencing in, in the world today. So then, as you were speaking, my mind just went to this cliche that the truth will set you free. Mm. Because we're, the way we've been speaking about fear in the last couple of days is how it rests our psyche, how it arrests the soul. It, it, it literally fetters the soul to whatever, to the object of its fear. So if we want to be set free from those fears, then we need to be situated in truth. Mm. Now, not just the truth. The truth about conventional things, especially nowadays, may never be known. Mm. Will we ever, as a layman, will we ever truly know what happened during 9-11? There's so many alternative explanations. When it comes to coronavirus, will we ever really know what's going on? Conventional truths you may not ever be able to come to conclusions about, especially mm. in the modern culture. Therefore, when we say the truth will set you free, at least for Vedanta, we're talking about those metaphysical truths. Mm. If we were situated in the awareness of our soul, Yes. then how would we be able to be touched by any of these things happening? Not, again, not that you know, I'm situated in my soul and therefore I'll go and stand in front of a, a herd of stampeding elephants. Not, you know, you have the ability to discern. It's not that now I'm situated in truth, so I became stupid. <laughs> but when you're situated in that truth of who you mm -hmm. actually are as consciousness, yeah. you're situated in the truth of who God is, and the shelter of God, and that you can't really die. Even if you leave your body, you won't die. If you're situated in that reality, could your being ever truly be arrested by fear? Yes. And if you're, and the, I, if, sorry. No, 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 go. And if you aren't able to be arrested by fear, could you be manipulated by the culture of untruthfulness that is now taking place? The answer would be no. But mm. because we are not situated in such truth, our souls are fettered by fear, and our psyches are manipulated by forces external to ourselves. Mm. When you were speaking, 
Oh, that was that last point was really amazing. I know it was poetic. I need to write that down. Uh, you need to rookie. I was like, it, it like it took a second to register. I was like, oh wait, that was really good. <laughs> write it down. Write it down. Um, no, while you were speaking, I mean, everything that you're saying is exactly what I was thinking. It was exactly um, where I was, like, my mind was also going to that place, because I, I've, um, I'm preparing like a a workbook or whatever. I, I have to teach in a yoga teacher training tomorrow and the day after. And so I'm teaching about like, uh, you know, Bhagavad Gita and Bhakti Yoga like this. And so I often don't go too deep into it because it's like a few hours and it's like how, you know, how much can you go? But I often very much like to start at the very beginning of the Bhagavad Gita because the very beginning of the Bhagavad Gita is all about ignorance and fear. It's yes. about ignorance and fears. And we look at, you know, in the first chapter, there are the three examples of Dhritarashtra, Duryodhana, and Arjuna, who are, all, who are all showing ignorance in a different way and all showing fear in a different way. And so obviously, you know, we zero in kind of on Arjuna. And Arjuna specifically is afraid of losing the material body, of killing the material bodies of his, you know, relatives and teachers. And so he becomes arrested by fear. You know, he becomes manipulated by fear to the extent that he can't do his duty and he can't do his dharma. And mm -hmm. so finally, you know, as we know, like he surrenders to Krishna. He says, I don't know what we we've brought this verse up so many times. The Karpanya Doshupata Swabhava, right? That I am, you know, my my heart is weak and I no longer know what's good for me. And please tell me what is Shreyas, right? Like the the ultimate good, not what's going to kind of like take me out of the fear just in this moment because i feel like so many of us fall into that prayas of just like what's gonna what's gonna be good in the moment you know what's gonna help me not be afraid in this moment what's gonna help me like not feel anxious or frustrated or whatever those feelings are bored you know in this moment but arjuna specifically at the beginning in the second chapter of bhagavad gita is asking what is the ultimate good right and so i surrender unto you i am your disciple now and then there, and then that's when Krishna starts his kind of, um, uh, you know, teachings on the nature of the soul. Yes. And, you know, you are not the body, you cannot be slain, you know, you cannot be withered by wind, wet, you know, uh, wet by water, burned by fire, like this. All these things, so many verses about the nature of the soul and how the soul is passing from one body into another body. How, you know, just like we put on the old, the clothes and take it off, the soul is like this. And I think that, sorry, and I think that like, I always like going back to the second chapter is one of my favorite because it's, you know, summary of the Gita and there's so many beautiful verses and it's just, yes. it just gives you like the rundown, you know, it just gives you the rundown. And one of the things I like most about it is that Arjuna is coming to Krishna with this seemingly like material issue, right? Like I can't fight. I can, you know, I'm afraid. I can't fight the people on the other side because they're my family members or they're right. my friends or they're my teachers. And, you know, please, Krishna, teach me what I should do. And Krishna's response is highly philosophical, you know, right. like very, very philosophical right from the get-go. What is the nature of the soul? And the way that I was going to connect this, I was going to connect this somehow to something that you said. Well, the because truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free and like, um, and like, um, how? because you were saying something super interesting about how like, the truth is so compromised nowadays and so many of us won't get 
to that truth, right? Like you were mentioning the, the, the example of 9-11 or the COVID or, or so many things. Like we won't get to the, to, the, to the heart of that, you know, us lay people. However, I think that, you know, okay, I'll say it this way. So many people are trying to find material solutions for these material problems, right? Oh, there's, I don't know what the truth is about COVID, so I'm going to, I don't know what the truth is about, I'm going I'm to go crazy and try to figure it out. But at the end of the day, people have become um, susceptible, manipulated by fear to either cover up the truth or, you know, what's that word? Sensationalize the truth for their own interests, you know? And so, yeah, I think if it's your specific, you know, dharma to like be a politician or like whatever, like try to be a freedom fighter or whatever, you know, you should do that for sure. But many days, you know, I'll go back to the beginning of Chit Chat where I was listening to Jeff Bezos. Many days, I honestly think, and this is where that whole like silence is violence thing, which I, you know, I don't know how I feel about that anymore. Many days, I think pressing the off button is much more in service to my bhakti and to like me figuring out my anartas and, you know, trying to purify my heart and trying to not be accosted by fear and, you know, manipulated by my material body. For a lot of times, if that's my practice, turning off the, you know, the computer or turning off my phone and not listening to all these people that are being, you know, all of us are being manipulated by fear. Because I think that when, when I see that, when I see someone that's like, quote unquote, being manipulated by fear, yes. or not knowing the truth, all of a sudden, I forget that I am also being manipulated by fear, that I also don't know the truth. And therefore, I get on a high horse, you know, and I'm just, you don't know the truth, you know, you are wrong. This is not the way that it's supposed to be. I start judging and criticizing and pointing fingers. And really, the more I do that, the less and less I, the more and more I forget, you know, about the nature of my soul, the more yes. and more I forget about Krishna's teachings. That's easy. That's easy to do. I've been, I've been saying this for a long time, um, but it's easy to point to huge social issues that are not likely to be, well, huge social issues that require huge collective effort. It's a lot easier to like point at something and show in kind of moral grandstand on a particular side of that sort of issue mm -hmm. than to deal with the problems that are within the purview of our own existence. In other words, we many of us are I would suspect all of us have pressing issues, existential issues, and maybe even very practical issues that we don't really want to deal with or we're having a hard time dealing with. Yeah. So to sort of scapegoat the necessity to deal with that, I think it's the general nature of human psychology to just point to something that's like huge and practically impossible to be solved at any particular point in maybe your lifetime even. It's easy to like kind of jump on that to sort of scapegoat that responsibility that you need to be meeting for yourself, mm. overcoming the way fear degrades you and, and so on. So that, this is I, this is generally a huge problem. That um, and that's I want to talk about this at some point because I've been thinking about this. Does collective responsibility trump the need for individual responsibility? Mm. In, other, in other words, if there is a clash between individual responsibility and collective responsibility, which one is more important? That's and a good question. I think it seems, I think prima facie, it seems obvious 
But mm-hmm. I've been really sitting with the question, and it's not very obvious because, well, following the logic we've been using, a lot of the world problems are due to a lot of individuals failing to meet responsibilities to themselves mm. in terms of their character, in mm. terms of how they respond to situations and so on. Mm. So can there really, maybe another way of phrasing it is, can there really be collective responsibility if people aren't meeting individual responsibility? Exactly. That's, and, yeah. And that's kind of what I was hearing from you at the end. Yeah. Like if we've not, not classic question, I always ask this when people talk about world reform and all these things, did you fix your bed this morning? Please tell me. <laughs> I and I think it's, it's a question that can be very upsetting for people. Um, but it, it, it relates to this question that it would be interesting to explore. Can you really meet a collective responsibility when we fail to meet individual responsibility yeah. in terms of building our character and so on? I think that's, that's kind of what I, that's what I was hearing at the end. Of yeah, that's, a, that's now that I'm, now that I'm hearing you say that, that's exactly the point that I was trying to make that you brought up the example of cigarettes, or we have so many examples of like biological warfare or like weapons of mass destruction being right. sold to like this or that or whatever. But like, who is doing that? You know, right. who, who are the, let's say scientists that have become compromised due to money or fame or envy who are the people in power that have become compromised? And not only is it who, but, you know, I think that the issue becomes, the issue, of course, is the act itself, right? Like duping a bunch of people into thinking that cigarettes are good for you. Let's go with that example. But then the issue is, yeah, okay, fine. I'm going to do a public, public policy to, you know, make sure that people now know that cigarettes are bad for you. But you still haven't cured the heart of the people who tried to sell the evil cigarettes to you, you know? And that's just like one example of like, who knows, thousands of people involved in the cigarette industry, you know, let's put it like that. So you can take any industry in the world that's having some sort of shady or not so good um, industry, politics, whatever, that's having some sort of shady or not so good practices. And it's like, okay, there's the problem and we deal with the problem on a, I don't want to say superficial, but on a, on, a, on a material level, you know, on a material level, policy, laws, whatever. But the hearts of those people and my heart, you know, is still not It pure. always comes back to that. It it's always, always what it comes back to. I think this is the, yeah, this makes it difficult for us to accept. It's mm. interesting because we know this, we know this, whether you're a devotee or not, you know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yet because fixing the heart problem is so profound. Actually, it becomes easier just to latch onto these big social issues as a form yeah. of sca- scapegoating or escaping that responsibility. Yeah. <sighs> it's, um, <laughs> it's a doozy. Yeah, I've, I've been studying with this a lot. You know, it's really, it's really arrested some of my creative output in the last month. Just sitting with yeah. this, and it's, it's been weighing on my heart a lot, actually, on a personal level. And yeah. Level. Sorry, guys, I just got to give a, a sigh. We'll continue, I su- continue this. <laughs> we'll we'll continue this uh, tomorrow, but I suggest Jaya that you should uh, abscond from the United States as soon as possible. Because <laughs> that's still in one the works. Of- I'm working on it. Because, I mean, you know, I, I won't go on for a long time, but one of, I, one of the reasons why I left was bec- and to get some space was these, these, this was also very sitting, sitting very heavily on my heart. 
And I was also feeling very bewildered and like everything felt very, you know, so bewildering and confusing and I felt like I needed space. So that might make your heart feel better, Jaya. Some space, okay. Some space. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll get you somewhere out of the States. Um, okay, let's call it let's call it on that, Jaya, and we'll continue yes. tomorrow. Thank we'll you. We'll continue tomorrow. Yes, thank you all so much. Thank you, Gerald and uh, PB Chad and Kishore Gopal Prabhu. Oh, I miss you, Kishore. Uh, thank you all so much, Shyam. And Johnny was there at the beginning. Don't know if yes. she's still there. And everyone who's joining us every night at 6, thank you all so much for your comments, Dr. Ramsey. Thank you all so much. And we will, um, we will see you tomorrow at yes. 6. Tomorrow at 6. Hari Hari Bol, Hari Krishna. Bye Jaya, Sanjeevani Radha, thank you. Hari Bol. Later, later. Later.